There are many issues that plague youth. The church acts as a safe haven. It provides a place where youth can come together to hear the Word of God. Upper Room Media presents to you this Youth Talk, delivered from Sydney, Australia. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Uh, beautiful to be with you guys, always. So today um, we're going to talk about how to be content. It's a topic which we spoke about in December, and um, spoke about at the youth camp, uh, and it's repeated because uh, it's really critical. Um, so I'm just going to go through seven, seven steps to be content, and no particular order. Okay, the first step to be content is to live in the present. Live in the present. Um, at the youth camp a few weeks ago, one of them spoke to us about drinking water. And he said, if you're thirsty, right, what do you do? You drink. And do any of you say, oh, look, I'm thirsty and I don't want to drink now because I'm just going to get thirsty again in a few hours or tomorrow or in a week or in a month. No, you just drink, right? So it's so important to live in the present. Matthew 6.34, a famous verse. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is, is its own trouble. This verse is a weapon. I love it so much. We need to live it. Sufficient for, for the day's own trouble, and tomorrow will worry about its own things. If you think contentment will come from like a, a change of circumstances, then just ask yourself has it worked before? Has it worked before? When you were in primary school, you wanted to, you thought, when just when I get to high school, year seven, move to the new campus. I can, you know, not just sit where the teacher tells me to sit, but I can go and sit wherever I want, move around. Oh, that'll just be so cool. I'll be so happy. And you got there. And when you were you content? No. Oh, finish year 12. Sensational. Best time ever. Whatever. You're bored as anything two days in. You know, you still linger around here. That's, we love it, actually. <laughs> were you... Content, it didn't work. So then why do you think that it's going to be any different later on? People think, okay, when I get into a relationship, I'll be content. It hasn't worked before. Why will it work again? Because if you have this disease of being not content, then you're going to compare your relationship with the relationships of others. And you're going to see other people as more attractive and good partners than your partner. When I get married, I'll be content. No. Because again, if you have this disease of discontentment, then your marriage will be full of comparison and will be full of bitterness and full of anger. When I have kids, I'll be content. No. Because someone else's kids are always going to be better than yours. Yeah. When I have a career, I'll be content 
will know because even if you reach the very height of your career, then there'll be somebody else that's there that you think doesn't deserve to be there. Even if you've made millions of dollars, there'll be somebody who you feel made it easier and you had to struggle for it or has more. So looking for the future to find contentment, it, that hasn't worked for you before. And I want you to be really wise and, and, and to acknowledge that it's not going to happen again. All of these things that you think are going to happen and are going to make you content are not going to. It's not a change of circumstances that helps us to find contentment, but a change of focus, a change of mindset, um, a change of perspective. So that's step one. Step two, to be content, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Another very famous verse in Matthew 6. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Why? Because there moth and rust destroy, and thieves break in and steal. What should we do instead? Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If all of your treasure is here on this earth, you'll never be content. Because even if you've got absolutely everything, there is always the threat of moth, rust, thieves, losing it. There's always that threat. How can I be content? When you picture someone who's content, you know, like they're just, if there was like a content meme, yeah, what would the expression be on the person? They're just secure. They're just happy. They're just like, no one can take this away from me. I made it. But if your treasure is on this earth, you will never be content because you'll always be having sleepless nights to acquire more or to protect what you already have. Rather, put your treasure in heaven. Invest in your spiritual life, not in Bitcoin. Invest in caring for the poor, you know, not in acquiring the next item, which ends up being thrown away anyway. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Uh, I'm just thinking out loud with you. Which one do you think is the chicken and which one is the egg? Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. What do you think? You think it's people with really good hearts that put their treasure in heaven? Or do you think it's people who put their treasure in heaven and then their hearts follow? Which one? What do you think? I'm not sure. My opinion is it's the second one. That's my opinion. Yeah? Based on like just observing people so for example if you have like a, a dude he's got a family and you know he's just killing it at work and just a pretty below average husband and father right and then he comes home and his wife just gives it to him 
Everyone thinks you're a legend, you're a loser. You, you like everyone thinks that you're so good, but if only they knew. Everyone else gets the best of you, and we get the scraps. What do you think that husband's going to do? Come home and try harder at work? Uh, try try harder at home? No, You're like I'm failing here, and I'm not used to failing. So what's he going to do? He's going to throw himself into his work even more, where he's respected, where he's honoured, where he's successful. So his treasure is there. And his heart follows. If his treasure is in his home, that's where his heart is going to be. If that's where he's successful, then that's where his heart's going to be. So lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Step two. Number three. This is a very important one. Don't compare. Comparison is the enemy of of contentment. Comparison is the biggest enemy of contentment. From the very beginning of Scripture, the book of Exodus, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. Look at that cinema room, man. No. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. Don't compare. Because there will always be somebody who has more, who has better. So how can you possibly be content? And again, people sometimes think, oh look, when I have when I have that, then I'll be content. All of my friends are progressing and I'm not progressing. Yeah. But it doesn't work. I'll give you the common example, right? Of like this obsession with medicine. If I can just get into medicine, I'll be content. Really? Really? You get into medicine and you're like, man, I wish I got in in some other uni. I don't like this uni. You finish that degree, like, man, I wish I could become an intern in, you know, New South Wales instead of some other state. Then you're dying to get onto some specialty program. And you work one year and two and ten and they keep knocking you back and say, try again next time. Then you do it and you do an exam and you fail this exam. Meanwhile, you've got a wife and two kids crying and you're in your room studying like you're a teenager. Then you finally become a specialist and you're like, man, all of my colleagues have got all these publications and all these research papers and I've just got nothing. I've just got sick people that I look after. They're never going to give me a job in a big hospital. Then you get that job in the big hospital but somebody else has been there longer and is very well respected and you're just eating the crumbs that fall off their table and now you're 50. It's madness. It's madness. 
If only I get into medicine, I'll be content. Or get into whatever course, or get whatever job. It's not going to happen. Okay, don't compare. One of the biggest sources, of course, of comparison nowadays um, is your Instagram feed. You know, and it's hard. Okay, because like I compare these beautiful faces with my not as beautiful face. I compare these beautiful physiques with my not as beautiful physique. I compare these interesting holidays, these interesting meals. It's the enemy of contentment. Because everybody looks better than me, has more money than me, is doing something more interesting than me. How could you possibly be content when that's what you're feeding yourself the whole day? You all know it's not a reflection of the reality. The Lent is coming up. So, two options that like, I suggest. The first option is obviously to just to give up social media completely for Lent. It's just, it's wonderful if you can do that. And you'll feel lighter and you'll feel happier and you'll feel free. If that's too hard, or if you kind of like try and then buckle on week one, which is what usually happens to me in Lent, then let's have a backup. Which is, look, the Lent is a time to turn towards heaven and to turn away from the trivialities of the world. So the backup is this. Unfollow 10 useless things and follow 10 useful things. Let's clean up the feed during Lent. Okay? So option one, cut it out. Option two, follow 10 useful things in exchange for unfollowing 10 useless things. Comparison is the enemy of contentment. Number four is, as Christians, we're called to carry our cross, not to escape it. So a lot of the time, we're not content because we're trying to escape from suffering. If I didn't have this pain, I would be content. If I didn't have this heartbreak in my life, I would be content. If I didn't have this dysfunction in my family, I would be content. If only I didn't have this disappointment, I would be content. And so we've got these, these crosses in our lives. And we become restless because of these difficulties. And we'll never find contentment if that's our response to them. St. Paul says, Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. And in other translations, it's, I am content in my infirmities. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For when I am weak, then I am strong. If your response to every inconvenience, every setback, every failure, every pain, every problem, is how can I get out of this as quickly as possible? This is a bad thing which needs to go. 
then that's again a big obstacle to being content because some of these things will take years. Some of these things might not be in your control and could be there forever, as was the case with St. Paul, with his thorn in the flesh, his physical illness. So an important step to be content is to carry your cross, not necessarily try to escape it. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I come to God and say to Him, look, this, this thing is bigger than me. Like, I'm broken. I can't do this. And you come to Him in prayer, putting it before Him, then you'll live these words. When I am weak, then I am strong. Number five is to consider your environment. And in particular, ask yourself, is my environment influencing my contentment? Or is it, is it fueling desires? Like anything else, right? If you want to study and do well academically, then you must consider your environment. Surround yourself with like-minded people, you know, in a library with a mean librarian who's going to tell you off for talking and playing cards. Like, you, you've set up your environment for success. Okay? If you want to get fit, if you want to, you know, connect with God, whatever it is. So let's ask ourselves, if I have a goal, not of getting fit or of academic success, but if I have a goal of being content, we all have that goal. If I have a goal of being content, is my environment now conducive to that goal or is it a big obstacle? I read for you one of my favourite quotes from St. John Chrysostom, a bishop of the 4th century, um, about desires and about wealth. Okay. And he has an interesting definition of what it means to be rich and what it means to be poor. This is what he says. Let us learn not to call the rich fortunate nor the poor unfortunate. Rather, if we are to tell the truth, the rich man is not the one who has collected many possessions. So the rich man is not the one who has accumulated possessions. What is the rich man? But the one who needs few. And the poor man is not the one who has no possessions, but the one who has many desires. We ought to consider this the definition of poverty and wealth. So if you see someone greedy for many things, you should consider him the poorest of all, even if he has acquired everyone's money. If, on the other hand, you see someone with few needs, you should count him the richest of all, even if he has acquired nothing. So his definition of rich and poor is not about accumulation of goods, but it's about desires. The rich is the one who desires nothing, and the poor is the one who is greedy for many things. And it's so true. It's so true. 
there are so many people who have so much but want more. And there are so many people who have very little and want nothing. What is your environment? What are your conversations amongst your friends? What is fueling your social media feed? What is there? If that is full of designer handbags and luxury cars and all of this nonsense, then your environment is in direct opposition to your goal of contentment. Because you are fueling these desires. Is my environment conducive to my goal of contentment or is it opposing? And then people say, it doesn't affect me. I'm just, I just like cars. Ever heard this one? I just like cars. Or, you know, I, like, I don't care about the brand. I just love the design. It's beautiful. Yeah. Love that one. Just love the design. I don't get it, honestly. I really, I really don't get it. My wife makes fun of me all the time. I see these huge logos. I'm like, okay. So I pay them to walk around with the logo. Like I'm a billboard. Surely the correct arrangement is they pay me. And her response is, you're not Kim Kardashian. So is your environment, your conversations, what you aspire to, what you send your friends pictures of, conducive to contentment? Or is it fueling a thirst for more? Oh, it doesn't affect me. We just talk about it. We're just interested in it. Proverbs, my favourite, 6.27. Can a man take fire to his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? Of course not. Don't overestimate your ability to withstand this temptation. It's too scary. Number six is a common question of like balancing contentment with healthy ambition. Because, like, we, okay, if you're you know, extremely unhealthy, I don't want you to be content with that. If you're completely been absent from the first day of your studies or your work and you're about to fail everything or lose your job, I don't want you to be content with that. St. Paul wasn't content that small pockets of the world knew about Jesus. He wanted to go and spread that message everywhere. If everybody was kind of content having a slave at home, oh, so good. You know, no, someone was very not content with that. The injustice of it, the indignity of it, the inhumanity of it. So 
some ambition is really important. So how do we balance it? A few verses to reflect on. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Colossians 3.23 Whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Ask yourself, this healthy ambition that I have to study, to work, to accumulate wealth, am I doing it for the sake of the Lord or for the sake of men? Am I doing it for the sake of the Lord? I have enough. But maybe I'll rise to a prominent position and I can use that platform to do good things. Or maybe I'll acquire material goods which are not necessary for me and just give them to those who are in need. All that you do, do as to the Lord. Galatians 6, 4-5 Let each one examine his own work and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another for each one will bear his own load. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So this is an interesting combination of verses, both in Galatians 6. One of them says, each one shall bear his own load, and the other one says, bear one another's burdens. So which one is it? Bear his, each one should bear his own load, bear one another's burdens. And the key word there is load versus burden. So each one of us has our own load that we have to carry. This is our responsibility before God to carry, which is not really appropriate for somebody else to carry for us. But then there's a burden which will crush me. And unless somebody carries that with me, I'm going to be powder. So we must be able to carry our own load and be ready to help others with their burdens that will crush them. So this can be driving healthy ambition. My load, I'm carrying it fine. By God's grace. But now, I want to help others with their burdens. Which I'm called to do. Um, And the final thing is, on this journey to contentment, is to remember your death. Okay, remember your death. First Timothy chapter six is a really beautiful passage. It says, "Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content." But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Remember the reality that you and I brought nothing into this world and it is certain that we can carry nothing out. Along the same vein, Psalm 90:12. So teach us to remember our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. If you and I remember that our days are numbered, we'll be wise. If you and I remember that we came to this world with nothing and we're going with nothing, we don't actually own anything, really. That's another point that St. John Chrysostom makes in his book on wealth and poverty. You don't own anything. Because everything that you and I have belonged to somebody else before. Unless you're like printing 
you know, cash in your garage. But like, otherwise, like everything that you have belonged to somebody else. And when you die, and when I die, it's going to go to somebody else. So like, at best, you know, it's like a long lease. Right? So, if we remember our death, it's a very powerful weapon to remain content. I'm not obsessed with this accumulation of, of goods, which are not my own anyway. And not just with goods, but even, you know, this week I was visiting a nursing home. And this was a really, really nice nursing home. And one of the nice things was that, like, they had, as you walk through, little things that pointed to the life that these people lived before they were helpless in the nursing home. So some, sometimes you walk into the room and you see like their qualifications. Oh, that guy was a civil engineer. Um, sometimes you see what their interests were, if they were athletes or whatever. And so there was one elderly man from church that I went to visit. And there was a picture of him when he was in his 30s. And he looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Honestly, if you are into bodybuilding, before Arnold Schwarzenegger got very, very ripped, he was just very, very big. So like his dimensions were just enormous, but all the definition wasn't there. So it was just very, very early days of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Right? The 85-year-old nursing home patient. And my bad luck was after the nursing home, I was planning to go to the gym. I really, really was low on motivation that day. Because this is where it's going to end up. You know? Teach us wisdom by numbering our days. Okay? And it really puts things into perspective. I have this obsession with my body and the shape and, you know? And then in the end, this is what's going to happen to all of us. Teach us wisdom to know that our days are going to be numbered. So, be wise and strive to find contentedness now. If you find it now, you'll have it forever. And unfortunately, if you can't find it now, you probably won't find it forever. Don't look at tomorrow. Don't look at the next thing. Don't look at some material thing. Look at the present and look at God. And, and you will find contentment and glory be to His name forever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.